The work of this church in the world is realized through the generous financial support of all who call this place home. Along with the gifts and time and talent, ours is a shared ministry. You have a role to play here. Church membership is open to all. For more information, go to uusf.org. everybody. Good morning, everyone who is here in three dimensions, and good morning to all of our folks joining us on live stream. It's great to be here together. I hope all of you who are here in worship or on live stream all have an order of service so you can follow along as we worship together today. I am Vanessa Southern. I am the senior minister of the First Unitarian Universalist Society of San Francisco, and I am joined this morning by the Reverend Laura Shenham, who is our minister of congregational life, and whose oldest child is in the room today. Boing! Just to embarrass her, because as a preacher's kid, that's what you get. <laughs> and we're super excited to have them here with us. And Wonder Dave, who is our worship associate for the day, and so we are really blessed. And we're also blessed by everyone else who is making this worship possible, some of whom you will hear about from Mark in a moment. But thank you to Shulie for working our camera this morning, and to 
Also to um, Jonathan Silk, who's not only our communications director, but who is moonlighting, playing drums, because, you know, you have to take advantage of everybody's gifts. Asani Sewell is on our chat, so if you're online and you have any issues, just enter your questions on the chat, and if Asani can help you, she will, joining us from Portland. And thanks also to our Sextons, to Matthias and Tony, and to um, Kelvin is here today. We have a full crowd, to Athena for our gorgeous flowers again, to Linda Messner for coordinating all of our ushers. This is our jazz service. It is a little bit, it reminds me of like a New Orleans funeral where you don't want to end on a low note, but with joyous celebration. I feel like that's what we're doing for spring this year. Spring is about to end. We're about to officially enter summer with the longest day of the year and not too many days. But we're going to end the transition of the seasons with a splash of music and alive and celebratory of it all, which I hope is communicated in so many ways in the space today. And to do that, we have some special guests and our musicians and our choir. And so, Mark Sumner, if you would introduce our guests and the program for today. Right, when asked a couple of months ago by one of your board members if we could sing more jazz music, I thought several things. But one of them was, <laughs> let me ask my family. Maybe we can. Well, six years ago, I took a number of my Berkeley singers, a few more than are who are with us today. Um, raise your hands, my ex-bears over here. Yeah, yay, welcome. These and other alumni choristers went all the way to Trondheim, Norway, to perform with the renowned composer, arranger, and singer Bob Chilcott. We were tasked to learn and perform his Little Jazz Mass. We had so much fun on that trip that with Mr. Chilcott and his music, I thought, what a great excuse to introduce that piece to my UU family. And while at it, have a mini Trondheim reunion invite my old buddies all the way over to San Francisco, and in no time be able to say to the board, here we are, singing a little jazz music. Well, key elements of jazz include blues, syncopation, swing, and creative freedom or improvisation, skills most of us have little experience using unless we were part of a jazz choir before. And that, well, that's what makes it uh, this morning so exciting for us. Yes, you might hear an extra blue note, uh, some unintended syncopation, even some swinging the wrong direction. <laughs> um, we are a little out of our element. Just look at what a few of us are wearing today. <laughs> but with safety in numbers, guided by a composer who knows how to evoke the style, and most importantly, sharing all of this with you. You, our family, on this, our last Choir Sunday of the church here, we hope to be forgiven for being so daring. <laughs> Adding to our excitement is the confidence gained by having in our performance family today not only my singers from the Trondheim tour, but also our own John Silk, as mentioned on drums, our own Reverend Millie Phillips, partner Richard Saunders, and highly accomplished jazz performer on bass, Bill Gans, our own resident church 
pianist and 30-plus year director of the University of Berkeley's Cal Jazz Choir on piano. <clears throat> and to keep it in the family, Bill's roommate, Lambert Moss, is taking over for Reiko, who's here today, but he will be doing the postlude today. <clears throat> and I won't even use the word postlude because it's actually an important part of our service, so we hope you will stick around for that. A quick last word to you, and particularly you, my regular choir family. Thank you for the past year and all the hours collectively contributed to bring your music to Sunday mornings. Your notes today may be a bit blue, <clears throat> but to me they are always gold. So from me, a big jazz hand high five to all of you, not just for today's music, but also your work enhancing 30 of our worship services since September. famous jazz musician who said if you hit the wrong note, just keep hitting it throughout the piece, and then, yeah, so try that. <laughs> just a quick COVID note, uh, masks are not required indoors, but we encourage you to wear them if um, that makes you feel safer, or in fact makes you safer and more comfortable. And there are um, pews on the side that are labeled for masked only, so you can sit in a section where you're surrounded only by people wearing masks too, so. Good morning. If this is your first time attending, let me welcome you in person or on live stream. If you wanna get our weekly newsletter, newsletter, The Flame, or get emailed a reminder about Sunday's live stream link, you can just fill out one of our connections forms. They're yellow cards in your pews or they're out in the entryway uh, and you can follow along um, Fill those out and we can get you the information. The order of service, as Vanessa pointed out, is important and has many of our events listed. I wanna highlight a few of those today. The first is the SCW Scholarship End of Year Celebration Luncheon at 12.30 in the TSK room. All are welcome to join in the celebration and lunch provided. The second is our newcomer orientation, which gives visitors an opportunity to learn more about our church and Unitarian Universalism, and that will be in our fireside room at 12.30. And finally, we have these beautiful embroideries from the Copening community, which has been a long time uh, collaborator and um, connection with us through our history. If you look in our chapel, there we have weavings up there by the Copening Women's Collaborative uh, and was introduced by our Minister Emerita Margot Campbell Gross and they are for sale in our gallery. So please check them out and feel free to browse as well as shop. And that is our announcements this morning. Uh, my name is Dave, I'm a worship associate here at UU, and at this point, uh, I would like to invite you to join me in our unison chalice lighting. The words are printed in your order of service. If you are joining us virtually, uh, light your own chalice at home. It'll be fun. Everyone likes that. Okay. Uh, we light this chalice for the word of truth, 
the warmth of love and the fire of commitment. We light it as symbol of our faith as we gather together. Uh, and now, if you will rise in body and spirit as you are able, uh, you can join us in singing our first hymn. It is hymn number 202 in the gray hymnal, Come Sunday.
I invite you to find your seats once again. Our covenant are, is one of those phrases and uh, promises we make and take as sacred in our community. So please join with me in the words of our Unisec covenant as printed in your order of service. Love is the spirit of this church and service is its prayer. This is our great covenant to dwell together in peace, to seek truth in freedom, and to help one another. I was asked to reflect today on uh, sort of what music is sacred to me, uh, so I gave it some thought. Uh, and I thought about a thing that was happening recently to me. I have found songs that I listened to in high school making their way back into my musical rotation. Uh, this could just be Spotify's fault, uh, but I, I know that I didn't ever decide to stop listening to those songs intentionally. I didn't stop liking the artists who made the soundtrack to my teenage years. As a teenager, my emotions uh, swung in a pendulum of, if I'm being honest, rage and sadness uh, were the two big ones. My taste in music reflected those things. Uh, I listened to bands like Veruca Salt, Nirvana, Hole, PJ Harvey, Nine Inch Nails, bands full of feedback and snarled lyrics, music that was perfect for brooding. One musician, though, stands out from the pack as especially important. Her name was Tori Amos. Uh, and if music had patron saints, Tori would be the patron saint of strange children. It's a delight. Her pounding at the piano was alternately melancholic, powerful, and joyful. If other bands stayed strictly in one era of the pendulum, Tori was, for me, the full swing. She once said her music was what happened when pianos tried to be guitars. That's part of her appeal the sort of pushing your instrument and yourself to be something that is not quite what anyone expects you to be. It's aspirational, but it doesn't lie about how difficult it can be to have and work towards your aspirations. But there was this too. I remember being young and listening to her alone in the basement, the sad notes of silent all these years washing over me. 
something external that matched what was going on inside my mind and body. To say I was depressed as a teenager would be an understatement. I wouldn't receive a clinical diagnosis for my mental health issues until my early 20s, so before I had talk therapy or medicine or any of the other treatment methods I've used over the years, I had music. It's so strange that listening to something can make you feel heard and seen. Feelings are complicated, tangled things, and words like disappointment, ecstasy, love, and apprehension are certainly useful to describe what is going on in our internal world, but music extends beyond that and adds more context to words. The internal becomes external. I felt so alone so very often, but when the speakers came on and the notes began to fill the room, my perspective could shift. I knew I wasn't the first person to feel this way. I knew I wasn't alone. things about the poem that we'll read this morning. One is that it was written in 1950 or published in 1950. The other, me, some of what's true about the mass we're listening to, something that is somewhat traditional in form and then the rug is swept up and it's recreated. This poem is, for me, more like the form of a psalm of gratitude. The effort by the writer to capture that feeling of immense awe, wellsprings of humbling gratitude for the gorgeousness of the world around him. But it's like he threw up all the words and let them tumble down in a different way and form. The poet is E.E. E. Cummings. 
I thank you, God, for most this amazing. I thank you, God, for most this amazing day, for the leaping greenly spirits of trees and the blue true dream of sky and for everything which is natural, which is infinite, which is yes. I who have died am alive again today and this is the sun's birthday and this is the birthday of life and love and wings and of the gay, great, happening, illimitably earth. How should tasting, touching, hearing, seeing, breathing, any lifted from the know of all nothing, human, merely being, doubt unimaginable you? Now the ears of my ears are awake and now the eyes of my eyes are opened. written by our senior minister. It's a jazz prayer. God of syncopated rhythms and dissonant riffs. God of lone saxophone solos on a summer's night on a steamy subway platform. God who brings chord progressions into resolution or who keeps two themes in creative tension forever. God who brings music from any instrument, from a straight woman in grief, from gay women in love, from a man born in a woman's body or a woman born in a man's, for those who choose to live alone. No matter where we are in this life, who we were born and who we hope to become, no matter what shapes our bodies, what politics, what sex or what gender, how we express either, what education or immigration status, no matter what, oh God, make us instruments of thy will, sowing love, making love, making music too, improvisation, accompaniment, call and response, 
theme and variation, ebb and flow, you and me, music, moving with the spirit, pure jazz. Make our lives, O oh God, be pure jazz. Amen. This morning's offering will benefit the work of the San Francisco Jazz Center's Our Schools program. The San Francisco Jazz Center's Our School program serves all San Francisco and Oakland public and charter middle schools and provides over 25,000 hours of instructions each year. There will be baskets coming through. Feel free to put your offering in the baskets. If you're doing a check, make sure you put special offering in the memo with today's date. And online, please use the donate button on our website.
Unitarian Universalist composer Jason Shelton once said to me, we are what we sing. And I imagine he would say we are what we play and listen to, that we're influenced by the music we surround ourselves with, that we hum while we're going about our chores, that we create with and through our bodies, here in service, in the shower, rehearsing at home, wherever it happens. If he's right, then what does it mean for a community that sings and plays jazz? Because jazz feels like more than just a form of music. And I learned just how and began to unpack some of what that meant for me at my ordination. Some of you know the story because I told it recently when a musician I thought was just showing up late, though he actually never came, was running late. That day, the moment we were in of waiting, reminded me of a day in June in 1995, the day I was ordained. The church where I had done my internship was the esteemed First Church in Boston, named because it was literally the first Unitarian church and later merged with the second Unitarian church in Boston. This was a church that had a silver communion cup that had come over with the 11 ships carrying 700 colonists who arrived on July 1st, 1630 with John Winthrop, the first governor of Massachusetts, in possession of said communion cup, who would later found the church. And they came to build this holy city on a hill. So this church was part of the establishment in the biggest, most entrenched ways. It was a lovely group of human beings, but old school in so many threads or the feeling that you got. The minister who was my supervisor was in his 70s, just about to retire when I arrived, and he was an absolute sweetheart, but with some clear ideas about how church and community life happened, one of which was starting on time which wasn't helpful this particular day, I thought. Because I was an intern who also had, during my internship time, discovered the music of John Coltrane. Coltrane, at some point later in his life, had composed more and more religious-inspired pieces, and they were my favorites. They were pieces like Dear Lord and Wise One and Love Supreme. They were my sacred music and I wanted them played at my ordination. And so I got permission to find a quartet, some of whom gathered every year in Boston on Coltrane's birthday to play his music, and I paid for them to come, and I told them that they should set up in the space before the service and gave them time to rehearse when the sanctuary was clear of all other rehearsals. But about 45 minutes before the ordination, no one had arrived, and then 30 minutes before no one had arrived, and then 15 minutes before no one had arrived, and there were no cell phones, and no one in the group was answering their office phones or their home phones, and family and friends started to arrive, and classmates and Boston Brahmins 
streets of whom in Boston were named after they arrived, but there were no musicians arriving until one minute before service was about to begin officially. The piano player from the quartet showed up and Reese held the line. Quartet or not, we were not gonna keep people waiting because that was rude. So an honorable five minutes after the hour, we began. With a piano prelude of one of Coltrane's pieces, we began. And no offense to Jonathan Silk and his instrument of choice, I was grateful that it was the pianist who arrived first and not the drummer. <laughs> and so the service began and so it continued, but by the first musical interlude, the saxophonist had arrived. Now we were cooking. And then by the second musical interlude, the bass player had arrived. And then somehow, quietly, during the height of the ceremonies with ordination speeches and charges to the minister just to the right of the pulpit, somewhere before the postlude, the drummer arrived and set up his entire kit quietly. <laughs> and we ended in style. Wasn't what I'd planned, but it worked out and well enough. And then it was time to stand in the receiving line and I was prepared, a bit ashamed and feeling awkward to answer all the questions, or I should say the same question that I was expected to be asked again and again, the one about what happened with the musicians. Except the question never came. It was like the first or the second person in line who said to me about the music, hey, that music was great. And I say, sort of nodded my head, trying not to betray my confusion. He said, the way it built from one piece to another until this incredible crescendo at the end, like the culmination of your call to ministry. I took a moment. My dad once told me when someone, when I was like 12 and would get awkward when someone would give me a compliment, he said, Vanessa, when someone gives you a compliment, whether, whatever, however awkward you feel, you just smile and say, thank you. <laughs> so I used that advice in this moment. I took a deep breath and thought about this strange twist of fate. And I said simply, thank you. Coltrane and that Boston Quartet taught me that day that jazz was more than just a form of music. It reminded me of all the ways in which in life, in creation, in community, we do not control things, first of all, not really. And actually how that can be a good thing sometimes that sets the stage for miracles and surprise. You see, that day I had set the whole framework, right? You heard about it. I'd picked the pieces, I'd laid out their order in the order of service, I'd called the musicians, I'd cut the check, I'd done all I could do, but the rest, it turned out, was something that was left up to that group, which in jazz is always the model. Asked to tell what he was about to play once, Miles Davis was reported to have said, I'll play it first and tell you what it is later. <laughs> I don't know why he said that, but maybe because he was speaking to this reality that I'm describing, how even the band leader, perhaps, might choose the set and set the key and lift up chords, but at some point, 
they don't have control because in jazz, the band leader too, even Coltrane, had to turn the piece over to each of the musicians in turn for their solos. Let them carry the show. A person I once knew talked of a band in which he was, uh, of which he was part, and how during a set, regularly band members would go out and have a cigarette or use the bathroom or grab something to eat, and they would trust that the others would keep the set going without them. In some ways, the same reality was part of the music that day, right? The quartet trickling in. And there's so much in that reality to the form and the tradition of jazz. The mystery of the creative process and that surrender when you enter into it together. The trust that one or the other of you and all of you ultimately will carry the day, whether one of you is there in a moment or not. It's a beautiful metaphor for so much of life, for community. And there is this gorgeous freedom, I think, of or mix, I should say, of freedom and discipline in it that I want to hold up because in jazz, just like in community life, there are traditions, there are forms, there are conventions, there are hours and hours of practice and getting to know each other and getting to know the shared language of music as you understand it and want to make it. And then, then and only then, but then, the group is ready to lean into something else. And what folks lean into or how they name it is probably different. I think for Coltrane, it was God, a really big and expansive notion of God that he had. He wrote in the liner notes of A Love Supreme, thought waves, heat waves, Vibrations, all paths lead to God. The universe has many wonders. God breathes through us so completely, so gently, we hardly feel it. Yet it is our everything. Elation, elegance, exaltation, all from God. Thank you, God. Amen. I imagine other folks would call this spirit, or the muse, or some might call it the creative subconscious, or tapping into the innovative mind. Whatever we call it, though, there's this thing that we lean into that makes use of all the hard work we do in our lives, all the preparation, but seems to have this intelligence and generative power and direction all its own. Do you know what I'm talking about? Does this ring a bell? This thing that we're best advised to trust. Because not trusting it means clinging to a sense of control we don't really have over this life and this work together. And it means making all that life and work so much smaller and meaner than it needs to be or wants to be. So how does the musician stay alive to the music? And how do the people stay alive to what their calling is asking them to be? And how does community stay alive to the transcendent notion of what justice and compassion demands of them? 
And how do we continue to live together unleashing and trusting in each other's ability to co-create vibrant meaning? Maybe music teaches us. We are, after all, what we sing and what we listen to and what we play. Maybe jazz teaches us all the ways we practice the skills of abundant life and we prepare and we have disciplines, spiritual and professional and shared, but at some point we let this form of life open to recreation and new expression that we kind of make up together about how we worship and how we serve and who we serve and who we're accountable and how we're accountable to each other. And then this other form of this traditional life, the rug tossed, everything thrown up into the air, gives way to something new that speaks to the same deep old urge and force in the universe. Maybe that. That's at least what I started to pay attention to this long ago day in June, standing in line, newly ordained, learning even in that single hour a big lesson about what life of the spirit and life in community and life making music and meaning together might look like, that I didn't just like jazz, that maybe I needed to figure out how to live jazz. And that it meant that I might not know or like Miles Davis, need to pretend to know what it was that you and I, that we were making of the music of our shared life as it unfolded. But I could just trust in all of our preparations and practice and the traditions to be guardrails and all of that to be enough and then trust in the people and what we abandoned ourselves to that it was okay to start five minutes after the service, even if all the musicians you had invited weren't there, and it wasn't going just according to plan, and maybe what would happen would be far richer than anything I or we had planned for. That there was, that there is some magic and mystery to what always animates our lives together. And that was a good thing. That was the best part of it. So to just let the power, however we named it, each of us do its magic. And then just shake people's hands and say, thank you. <laughs> Life as pure jazz. In that spirit, let's rise as we're able in body and spirit and sing together our closing hymn. It's in our teal hymnal. It's when the spirit says do, hymn number 1024. Thank you. 
right? It's time for the benediction. You can put down your hymnals, join hands with the people next to you, connect into some big interdependent web of existence of which we are a part. You want to hold hands? I'll come down. Nice to see you. And now in our comings and our goings, may the light of love shine upon us. Out from within us, be gracious unto us and grant us peace. For this is the day we are given. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. Sylvester's favorites that brought him a lot of peace and uh, this is the version I learned of that beautiful song that you all sang earlier. Almighty 
all the trans people through. denominational soapbox, I would say, listen, love, and light to all the people out there who are being attacked right now. Black people ringing doorbells, <laughs> all the trans kids needing their gender-affirming surgery, people at the border, because as an indigenous elder once told me, nobody is illegal on stolen land. And um, most importantly, all the people struggling on the street, because we don't round up people. <laughs> I'm German, and that hits my DNA different <laughs> than other people. So let's hope that people in charge, like our mayor, get downloaded with grace and wisdom. And most importantly, as exemplified, by you people, let's love our neighbors. Come Sunday, oh, come Sunday, that's the day.
Thanks to everybody. Thanks to all of our musicians. Thanks to our choir. Thanks to Mark Sumner. Mark, are you going to stand up or are you just going to hide in the pew there? Yeah, all right. So we extinguish our chalice, but we carry the flame with us wherever we go until we meet again. <laughs> Thank you.